Hello, everyone, and welcome to the MMA Island podcast. I am Jack Kennedy alongside Keelan McNamara and Hunter Boss. We have an amazing podcast for you. We've been, we've been waiting for this one for a little bit. It is an all welterweight special. I'm Jack Kennedy, and they hit a lot harder, in my opinion, too. What is up, everybody? My name is Keelan McNamara, and everyone's got a plan until they get hit with my views. I am Hunter Boss. He just wanted to go to the distance by the looks of it. But he couldn't even do that. And this is the MMA Island Podcast. We are going all in on the welterweight division. We have a bunch of stuff, a stacked podcast. Um, a couple, well, we have top five fights. Um, our contenders, our top ten contenders ranked. Um, some of our, our matchups that we want to see in the welterweight division. Our predictions for all the title fights of UFC 261 fan questions, and our Mount Rushmore for the the champions of 170 or fighters at 170. So absolutely stacked. Uh, let's go ahead and get into it. Our top five fights, um, starting with number five, Hunter, who do you have at your number five spot for top five welterweight fights of all time? At number five, I have Matt Hughes versus Frank Trigg. You know, it's an absolute classic. How can you not include this on the list here? This fight was amazing for so many different reasons, but I like the comeback of Matt Hughes. You know, Matt Hughes is always such a fun fighter to watch because he keeps it humble inside the octagon and even outside the octagon. So when he was nearly finished by Frank Trigg with that rear naked choke, and then he picked him up, ran him across the entire cage and slammed yeah. him back down and tucked back the fight. That was one of the most, it was one of the most defining moments I've seen in the UFC. Like that, we talk about defining moments. This is one of them. This is a staple in the UFC division. Man, that fight makes me feel warm inside. Yeah. <laughs> um, my number five have gone a little bit different, perhaps surprising, perhaps not. I have gone for UFC 46, BJ Penn, Matt Hughes. Uh, again, there's a lot of reasons. You really could have put any fight in the top five, but the reason I've gone for this fight at number five is, you know, BJ Penn, one of the greatest fighters we've ever seen, stepping up to 170. In fact, when he left the UFC and came back, he begged the then matchmaker Joe Silva to go in against the best of the best. And the best was Matt Hughes. Everybody thought Matt Hughes would take this fight to the ground and that would be the end of it. And it was the end of it, but not the way we expected. You know, BJ Penn, BJJ, masterclass, you know, multiple time black belt. And he really did shake up the world. Yeah. So all of us have Matt Hughes in our top five fight. Hunter, we think alike. Matt Hughes, Frank Trigg, you already said it. That fight is the most insane thing ever. If you haven't seen it, go watch it 15 times in a row on YouTube because it's amazing. <laughs> it's short, but one of the best fights you will ever see. Matt Hughes takes a low blow. That's one of the most important yeah. parts of that, too. That didn't get, of course didn't it was Yamasaki. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> didn't get called, so he's like, come on, what's going on? He uses that rage, picks Frank Trigg up, walks him across the other side, and just, uh, it was amazing. Definitely number five for me. All right. Now, let's go on round number four. Hunter, who do you have for your number four? Number four, I have might be a surprising pick for some, but Tyrone Woodley, Stephen Thompson won. This fight right here sparked so much controversy after the fight, which in the fight leading up and everything leading up to the fight and then the fight itself. It was amazing. I love the – or at least the first fight was amazing. Yeah. Um, it was <laughs> so back and forth. Um, first round, Tyrone Woodley by far, and then – Second and third, you know, it's debatable, but I'd say Stephen Thompson. And then fourth, Tyro Woodley for surely. Fifth, 
Stephen Thompson, but still we got the unanimous draw. And then even after the fight in the octagon and, and the, the unanimous decision or the, um, uh, the uh, majority draw sparked controversy too. And then we've got the famous two, three, five out of this fight. It was just so much fun to watch everything around this fight and such a fun fight to watch too. We see Stephen Thompson, always fun to watch in the octagon. And then Tyrell Woodley, who's very patient, but once he does strike, he ends the fight usually, but not this occasion. Once again, another fantastic fight. Number four, right here. My number four is a fighter on a fight that you two have just mentioned. It's Matt Hughes and it's Frank Trigg. Um, how can you not love this fight? This is one of the single greatest displays of grit and heart that I think the UFC's ever broadcast to anybody. You know, Frank Trigg goes in with that low blow, gets Matt Hughes to the ground. It looks like the fight's over and the fight should be over. Is it over? No, it is not. Matt Hughes gets out of the rear naked choke. He lifts up Frank Trigg. Not only does he escape a deep rear naked choke, he carries a giant of a man, Frank Trigg, 15 feet across an octagon, slams him on the ground, passes the guard, passes the back, and finishes Frank with his own move. You couldn't write it. You still can't write it. Incredible, incredible moment. And why Matt Hughes will forever have the heart of a champion. That's my number four. Yeah, that's a great pick. And something about that that makes it so good, too, is it's Matt Hughes as well. Mm -hmm. And so, like, you know, the legend that he is and everything. Yeah. Hunter, we think alike. I don't know what's going on, but for everybody at home, we we did not communicate here. (laughs) But, yeah, I have Woodley Wonderboy 1-2 is probably on the list for one of the worst title fights you will see at 170. (laughs) But the first one delivered and some. It was amazing. Um, The hype for the the fight going into it wasn't that high because of Stephen Thompson. He's nice and everything, and Woodley's trying to trash trash talk him, but it's not really going back and forth or anything. But the fight was incredible. And this is a clash of styles that you'll see with Stephen Thompson and a great fighter like Tyron Woodley, which is a a similar fight we could see with Kamara Usman down the line. Um, His stand-up is so different and everything, and Woodley will go for it whenever he's got the pressure put onto him, and he delivered. It was amazing. Back and forth the entire night. Um, And then I mean, that fourth round, I don't know how Stephen Thompson survived with his life yeah. after that round. I mean, he got dropped so heart. bad. Yeah, exactly. I don't, uh, it, he, almost, he almost got knocked out and then got woke up again when, when uh, Woodley landed another punch and everything. He got back into it and then survived the choke and got out. And then came back, and I think I agree with you. I think he won the fifth round. Um, goes to the decision. At first, Bruce Buffer announces that Tyron Woodley won by a split decision, and then they go back, and it's actually a draw, and it's a nightmare. Tyron Woodley's like, if I lost, I'm not giving my belt up, because he just announced that I won. Utter chaos. Amazing fight. Everything about that event was amazing. Uh, I believe it was MSG, too. It was amazing. Great card. Great night of fights, and again, another great co-main event um, on the McGregor card. So, uh, it was amazing. One of the best welterweight fights of all time. That's my number four. All right, we're looking at number three now. Now, I hope Jack doesn't have the same one here because this is a, one of the more shorter fights in the end. We have Paul Daly and Nick Diaz. Now, this oh. fight right here, insanely good. It did not last long. It was one round, but it was back and forth, nonstop action. It wasn't even the UFC. It was in the WEC nearly a decade ago, a little over a decade ago now, yeah. just as of a few days ago. But this fight was insanely good. 
Paul Daly struck Nick Diaz with a few good shots in the, in the beginning of the fight, beginning of the first round. He was fighting to recover a few takedowns here and there. And then boom, Nick Diaz hits another good shot. And then it's going back and forth, back and forth. Let me just say, if you're a new to MMA and or a new fan of MMA, this is the podcast you want to listen to right here because you're going to be learning so much. This is a master class. History lesson. Yes. History lesson. Nick Diaz versus Paul Daly, number three, if not one of the best best fights of all time in the UFC. Yeah, I I really deeply love that pick. Yeah. That is, if you're new to MMA, watch that fight and watch this podcast. Training by day, MMA Island podcast tonight, <laughs> all day, every day. Shout out the main man, Nick Diaz. Um, my pick for number three, I've gone a bit different again, and I've got a feeling neither of you might have picked this here, but we'll see what people say. Yeah. UFC 65, George St. Pierre against Matt Hughes. And I love this fight, and I'm sad at this fight for a lot of reasons. I'm sad because I love Matt Hughes. Everybody does. But this fight was so pivotal for the 170 division because it really signaled the changing of the guard and the rise of George St. Pierre. It was really a multi-legacy fight. You know, of course, they'd fought the first time, and Hughes beat a young up-and-coming George St. Pierre this was a totally different fight. GSP looked as world-class as he would become, and it really sparked the rise of George St. Pierre, and that's my number three. Yeah, I love both of those picks so much, and I actually just re-watched the Diaz uh, daily fight the other day. I think the UFC posted or something. I, I, I watched that. That's one of those fights you watch, and it's like you're, you think you're watching a highlights video, but you right. realize it's the first round, and, and you're like, what happened? Yeah, um, great picks. I'm going to go a little bit different as well, though. Matt Sarah versus GSP one. Really? Um, okay. This is just because of the pure. I mean, it was a great fight for us all, but just the pure shocking nature of it at the time. And you are, you could argue today it's been a little it's been a long time. And we know how good Matt Sarah was and both GSP was. But at the time, this was the biggest upset in UFC history by far. Not even close. No one gave Matt Sarah a chance. He went out there and won and, and, and shocked everyone in and, and dominating fashion, too. It was crazy. Um, and, and then we see GSP come back and everything. But that first fight will live in the memory of everybody. Joe Rogan was freaking out. He didn't even know what to say. I mean, everybody was just shocked. It was, it was incredible. And you, this is one of those fights, too, that was just insane from the get-go. Um, that's my number three. Yeah, that, that's a good pick right there. I wasn't expecting that whatsoever. Uh, my number two here, I have a classic in the making, and it's a classic of all time. It's going to be remembered forever. Conor McGregor versus Nate Diaz, too. I mean, how can you not yeah. like this fight? Yeah. This fight here might be, might be one of the newer fights, not one of like the older fights that we've been talking about lately, but Conor McGregor and Nate Diaz, too, had so much press leading up to this fight. That made the fight. And, you know, we didn't think the fight could get as good as the press, but it did, and it surpassed it. It was back and forth. Conor McGregor finally made some, some adjustments to Nate Diaz's style, and he he was able to piece them together a little bit here and there, but Nate Diaz was not out of it. He could take a punch. He took the punch, kept taking the punches. He had landed a few good takedowns in the later rounds. This fight all around was amazing because both fighters got so bloody and it was so gritty. And there was a great show of sportsmanship at the end of it too, which I was really happy to see because I, I love to see some sportsmanship, especially in MMA. So this fight right here, I'm going to say number two for me, Conor McGregor versus Nate Diaz too. Absolutely love that pick. I'm in no way mad whatsoever at that pick. That is a fight that will live on forever. There is no question. My number two is actually Jack's number three, and that's Matt Sarah, George St. Pierre. And 
you really don't have to justify it in that many words. This fight, to me, exemplifies what we love about sport, especially combat sports. This is why we have the ultimate fighter, and this is why we give the little guy a chance, because it gives you it gives someone the chance to achieve their dream and shock the world. No one gave Matt Sarah a hope in heaven or hell of even get putting a decent display on against who would go on to become arguably the greatest welterweight champion of all time. And what happened? Matt Sarah went out and knocked him out. In my mind, still one of the greatest upsets the UFC's ever seen. And it will remain one of the greatest upsets we will ever see. You know, I don't even remember what the betting odds were, but I can bet you they were probably somewhere in the four or five figures even. And this fight exemplified everything that we love about the sport and especially what I hold dear about the sport. I watched that fight again and again and the smile never comes off your face you know i in many ways i think even gsp was kind of happy matt yeah. won just because it was just because it was so good for the sport and even though the second fight turned out the way it did this fight will forever be stamped in the legendary history of the welterweight division yeah absolutely uh legendary fight there and a great pick by the way with you hunter I am torn here, guys. I, I, I'm i not going to cheat. I'm going to pick a fight, but I want to throw three fights out there that I'm absolutely torn up about. And I probably could have put these at some of my other ones, but I wanted to list those at, at those numbers. So at number two, I'm going to my first fight I'm going to list, and I don't know which one I'm going to choose. I'm going to figure it out as I talk, so bear with me. Lawler versus Hendricks, fights one and two. They were both legendary fights and shocking as well. Uh, the first fight, I don't, I didn't give Lawler a chance against Johnny Hendricks. He was, he was going crazy. The second one was even better because Robbie Lawler upset Johnny Hendricks, and they were going at it. It was insane, unbelievable. Another one, I mean, Connor Diaz, too. You already mentioned it. Um, and the one I think I'm going to go with is Robbie Lawler versus Carlos Condit as my number two Love fight. Love that. Unreal. I mean, Robbie Lawler, I, we'll get to number one. Um, but Robbie Lawler is one of the most – badass champions the the ufc has ever seen if not the most just his story of fighting in one of the earliest days and then somehow catches a second wind in his career comes up becomes a champion with his fighting style every single robbie lawler fight was a brawl and carlos condit will bring it too i mean they were just going back and forth the end of the fight where they're just leaning up against the cage exhausted just like all right yeah that was amazing like that was one of the best moments ever controversial ending it really could have gone either way for me uh, I don't, you can't call it a robbery either way. Maybe a little bit towards Condit, but just an unbelievable fight, an unbelievable performance from two absolute legends of the sport, especially 170. Yeah, that is that is a fantastic fight. I was I was I wanted to include that one, but it just didn't make the cut for me. Yeah. Um, by the way, I googled the GSP Matsera odds. Uh, that was it was seven to one for uh, wow for, for GSP. So it was it was insane upset here. And uh, I wouldn't be disappointed either for that Johnny Hendricks, Robbie Lawler fight. I, I'd say that number two, the last 20 seconds, that could have made that, that my whole like uh, list right there. That was an amazing last 20 yeah. seconds. I, I freaking love that fight. Yeah. But I think as no one's surprised, my number one here is Roy McDonald versus Robbie Lawler too. It's a yep. barnhouse brawl. They're going back and forth. They're swinging. They're, they're hurting each other every single round. And there's blood everywhere. Robbie Lawler is cut up beyond belief. And then at the end of the fourth round, boom, he spits out blood towards him and stares him down like there's no tomorrow. We talk about the most scary stare downs. How about Robbie Lawler beat up to shit, staring you down? 
Like after he spits out blood towards you. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? That's such a fantastic fight. Of course, no, no surprise. I feel like I hope you guys don't have this as number one. I don't, I don't know what you guys are smoking, <laughs> all right? But number one, Roy McDonald versus Robbie Lawler too. Yeah, the, the, there's no point trying to claim it's anything else. It's yes, Robbie Lawler, yes, Rory McDonald yes. too, and it's not close. The only fight that runs as close to my eyes is the Condit Lawler fight, mm-hmm. perhaps. But Robbie Lawler, Rory, Robbie Lawler, Rory McDonald too is a fight in which you remember where you were when that fight happened, because that fight is the greatest title fight in the history of the welterweight division, yeah. and arguably the greatest title fight of any division ever. Yeah. Now, for those who know the podcast, you'll know I'm a boxing fan, and you'll know I mentioned I mentioned the trilogy of Irish Mickey Ward and Thunder Arturo Gatti especially round nine of their first fight, round of the century in boxing. This fight was the UFC's Ward Gatti. That is how good this fight was. Just insane from beginning to end. A lot of people thought McDonald would I technically strike Lawler, and they thought Lawler would fade, and by God, he did not. <laughs> A part of me has to wonder whether there's some sort of ancient Peruvian warrior spirit that just possesses Robbie Lawler's corpse, because that man is not human. You know, the beating iron heart of a champion and a killer, the likes of which we might never see again. You know, like Hunter said, beat up to the explicit word that he used. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which I no, I it's absolutely we're the an right explicit word to podcast. Use. We're good to go. Okay, it's good, all right. Good, we're good, good to go. We can say that. Yeah. Yeah. Diego, Diego Sanchez changed it for us. We're all good. <laughs> I forgot we're about good. that. Yeah. Diego yeah. Sanchez shook up the world, ladies. Thank and gentlemen. you. Thank you. Yes, we're good. <laughs> yeah. You know. Just rem- every time I think about the welterweight division, I think of that fight. And when I think of that fight, I think of round four, beat up to shit, as Hunter says. And, you know, Lawler could have collapsed. He could have went back in his stool, but he stood his ground. And that eye contact with Rory McDonald, you know, a busted up lip, probably searing in pain. Instead, spat out blood pointed to the middle of the octagon and said, you're going to have to kill me to take this belt from me. And that's where Roy, that's where Rory McDonald was defeated right there. Cause he knew he'd thrown everything within his arsenal, uh, Robbie Lawler, and it still wasn't enough. And that's what makes fighting beautiful. Number one, Robbie Lawler, Rory McDonald too. So, um, Obviously, that's the number one. That has to be the number one. I, you guys don't know how excited I am right now talking about this fight. Yeah. Every single time this fight is mentioned, I'm, I, I just smile so much because I'm just like, oh, it is absolutely one of the best fights of all time. Not just the welterweight division, of all time, one of the greatest fights ever. And, uh, you guys mentioned, talked about the fight. I want to talk about all the circumstances around the fight, too. It was completely overshadowed because it was on the McGregor Mendez card, but all eyes were on that for that reason. The crowd was unbelievable. There's nothing like a Connor crowd, and that was the first real Connor crowd that we've seen for a title fight. It was unbelievable. I mean, they they were going crazy. The, the, The fight itself was unbelievable. That's one of the biggest moments you will ever see. The end of the fourth round, Robbie Lawler, his lip split, he spits blood, stares at him. You have Big John, the, the best ref ever in company history, just standing between him like, oh, this is insane. What's happening right now? Rory McDonald, who's beat up, looking back at Robbie Lawler. How many people would look back at Robbie Lawler after what he just did, spit out blood and look right directly at you? How many people would walk towards that? Very few. 
if, if, if only Rory McDonald's face was flat, he would have continued and made it in that fifth round. But um, unfortunately for him, his face was literally destroyed from Robbie Lawler. I like he crumbled, but like, I mean, who, I can't believe he made it that long. Like his face was literally just destroyed. He was like a brick wall. Um, Man, Robbie Lawler, how tough is he as a champion, as just a man? I mean, in that in that second round, I thought he was out. I mean, Roy McDonald was pouring it on at the end of the – was it the end of the second or end of the third? I don't remember. But probably it was, both. I, it, yeah. Probably both. And Roy McDonald was just had him against the cage and just teeing off on him. And Robbie Lawler, who's rock, is throwing back and everything. He's stumbling back to his stool like, yeah, I'm good. What is happening? Unbelievable fight. It, it was I could I I was so excited for the McGregor Mendez fight I forgot about it after the coming event I couldn't believe it I was like oh we have a Connor fight up next what I forgot how was this not the main event it was unbelievable uh just one of the best fights I have ever seen you guys nailed it one of those fights where you're like oh I remember where I was watching that um, greatest fight in multiweight history not even close yeah and what I love about this fight as well not notwithstanding every single thing we've just said rory mcdonald crumbled but rory mcdonald did not crumble you know if if it was up to rory mcdonald and his heart they'd still be in that octagon fighting now like what six years later he still would be you know he takes that punch to the nose and his central nervous system takes the decision out of his hands and just said right enough's enough you know, you can tell Rory McDonald wanted to go the distance and just keep going at it and at it and at it and at it until his body just intervened and said, that's enough. And that is what determines greatness. No question. Yeah. Yeah. One of the best, most legendary pictures ever is them in the hospital afterwards, basically full yeah, body yeah. cast and everything. Just like, yeah, that was a good fight. <laughs> like the start of Rocky too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was amazing. All right, guys. So let's go ahead and keep rolling on into it. And a big talk. A lot of people have been talking about. It. I mean, we're going to have to talk about it now. Is the rankings at welterweight? Uh, we're going to be going over our top ten, and these are just really in line. Who we think is in line for the next title shot and everything. Our top ten guys. Um, Hunter, starting with you. Who do you have at number ten? Okay, so I took a little bit of a different route, and I included Kamara Usman there. So as a champion, okay. so my. Number 10 is actually my number nine. Okay. Okay. So my number nine is, is, is Damian Maya. I think he's just, I think he's great. Great. Gra- he's a great fighter. He's a great grappler. He's just not much of a mixed martial artist at this point yet. We don't see much grappling from him and, or sorry, we don't see much striking from <laughs> him and he's yeah. a fantastic grappler yeah. and he just needs to get a few more big names under his belt. If he wants to make it back up to the uh, top 10, but uh, not much else to say. Damian Maya, number nine. Yeah. My number 10 is Jeff Nail. And I love Jeff Neal as a fighter. I think he brings it every single time he's on a fight card. Unfortunately, you know, he's not having the best of times at the moment. And he did just suffer an L to Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Not a slight in Jeff Neal whatsoever. But for me, he just about rounds off the top 10. Yeah, I, I like that. I have Damian Maya at my number 10. Um, I, I think he is, are, I would make the argument he's the best grappler in UFC history. Uh, even above Hoist Gracie and, and, and some of the other legends, just because of how great he was and everything. Um, but, but right recently, I mean, he's, he's, he's just, he's reached that legendary status. And I think he's on the outside of his career at this moment. Um, I'd love to see a great matchup with him against another jujitsu guy. I'd love to see a Ryan Hall, Damian Maya fight. That's a dream fight. I'd love to see. Uh, but I just, I don't think he's going to um, really climb the rankings too much from now on. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, no, I hear you. Uh, number nine, I guess, actually, number nine. Um, yeah. I'd put Neil Magny down. Okay. Neil Magny is a, a, is a good fighter all around, but he's nothing. he's not great at anything. He's good at striking. He's good at grappling. And he's, he's good against the cage, but he's not great. When does he face like fighters that are great? He crumbles sometimes, but he's, he's getting better with every single fight he's in. So I think uh, a, ne- a few more fights and then a few more like actual high contenders, he can work him, himself up. But for now, I'm at number nine. Yeah, my number nine was actually Damian Meyer. But you could equally justify switching him with Jeff Neal, I feel, if you wanted. I think you guys summed up Damian Maya perfectly. Legendary, elite, gold standard jiu-jitsu fighter. Incredible grappler. But, you know, he is approaching the twilight years of his career. Had a legendary career, to say the absolute least. But, yeah, I, I really don't. I think he's riding out his last few years now. So Maya's number nine for me. Yeah, um, I, I like that. Number nine, I have Jeff Neal. Uh, and it's, again, for the reason. I feel like um, eight, nine, and ten could really be interchangeable yeah. Um, yeah. for me. Uh, Jeff Neal has enormous potential. And I think he, he fought Stephen Wonderboy Thompson last time and went the distance with him. So there's no shame in that at all. Not um, at all. Nope. Had a, a really bright future. Hands of steel for, for a reason. So um, he'll do great. Uh, right now, number nine for me. Yeah, Jeff Neal's a great pick. I mean, he really damaged the legs of Stephen Thompson in that fight, which we haven't seen much before. But uh, my number, uh, I think it's eight now. Number eight is actually, might be a little surprising to you guys. I have Michael Chiesa down there. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I know Michael Chiesa, he's doing fantastic right now. He's on a four-fight win streak, and he's undefeated in the welterweight division. But he hasn't had any, like, emphatic victories, I feel like. Each each one of his victories kind of go, basically go the distance. I think he had... His, his first victory at Welterweight was a summation, I believe. But um, I feel like he's a great wrestler and he has good stand-up. I just feel like everyone else in that division is just a little bit better than him right now. I want to see a, a top-ranked fighter go against him here though pretty soon so I can see how good he can do against one of those fighters. But right now he's just kind of facing the, the, uh, the bottom of the barrel, I feel like. Or I feel like he should have better competition. He's just not facing it. So off of that, I'm just going to put him at number eight. Yeah, my number eight is actually Neil Magny. And again, I fully, I think Jack's summarized these first three picks perfectly. Eight through 10, you can interchange pretty much at your own discretion. I think Neil Magny all around is a rock solid seven out of 10 fighter in every facet of his game. He's good on his feet. He's good against the cage and he's good on the ground. But I would like to see him start kicking it up a gear or two now. For me, Neil Magny's number eight. Yeah, I agree with you. I have Neil Magnum as my number eight as well. Um, just he's one of those guys that if he's on, he can be an elite welterweight. Like if he has his moments, he can be an elite welterweight, but he's on and off. He can never really find that consistency. And he'll always I think he'll always hover around that eight, seven, nine range for me. Uh, he'll always be a, a good fighter. But at the moment, I don't really see him being a great fighter. Yeah, no, agreed. Uh, number seven. Now, there's no dissing against this. It's just there's other people above him. Vicente Luque right now. I have Vicente Luque down there. He is a fantastic fighter. And I, I, I'm so happy he's on the rise right now again. Yeah. Because he is such an entertaining fighter to watch. Like, when he loses, he his most recent loss was against Stephen Thompson, which by far is nothing bad because it was a great fight. It was back and forth, to be honest here. But uh, towards those later rounds, Stephen Thompson was getting the better of him. But uh, Vicente Luque, freaking, after his loss, a lot of fighters, they tend to go, 
lose maybe one more or have a little bit of a less entertaining fight. No, he goes on and knocks two more people out and then submits Tyron Woodley in the first round. When did we see people submitting Tyron Woodley or even finishing him for that matter? We saw Kobe Covington finish him in the fifth round after he got hurt in the rib, but it's kind of hard. It was like almost like a doctor stoppage, basically. Vicente Luque finished him. He's on his way to becoming such a fantastic fighter. I can't wait to see what he has coming next. Right. Time for my number seven. And I think this is seriously going to ruffle a lot of feathers, but hear me out. Number seven, Jorge Masvidal. What? Yeah. And I'm going to tell you, and I'm going to tell you, oh, you want to start throwing hands? (laughs) Oh my God, man. No, just hear me out for a second. Hear me out and I'll tell you why. All right. Jorge Masvidal deserves a lot of credit for his career resurgence. Street Jesus truly has been reborn, and that is nothing but to his credit. The problem is, you know, he's had this rapid rise through the division, and, you know, he beat Darren Till, fantastic performance. I actually thought he was losing the fight up until that win, but he won nothing but to his credit. Then he goes out and he fights Ben Aspirin, and it's the knee hurt around the world. Incredible KO. And it's going to be the highlight reel of the UFC for decades to come, no question. And then he fought Nate Diaz. And Nate Diaz, to me, much as I love him and as much as I love his brother Nick, Nate Diaz is kind of a perennial non-achiever. And I I don't mean to be blunt about Nate because I do like Nate, but that is the fact. You know, he's never really caught it against the top of the top. And good as Masvidal's performance was, he was starting to get tired up until the doctor stoppage. And Nate was starting to pour on pressure of his own. So that alone has me wavering about Masvidal. But then the thing that kind of does it for me is the Usman fight. Now, he did deserve the first title fight. I don't think anybody would disagree with that. But he went out and he got obliterated, you know, 50-45. You know, days on, notice. Yeah, yeah, I agree it was six <laughs> days notice. But it's, it's your duty to not take a fight that early if you're serious about winning the title. I mean, it's all well and good being the company man, but you have to think about your own career too. And the other problem I have with this is, is that this fight that's coming up this weekend, as I've said, is completely undeserved. You know, I'm sorry, six days notice, no six days notice. This is not a deserved second title fight. The rest of my picks will reflect how many people deserve to be in front of Masvidal. Now, I will add an asterisk to number seven for Masvidal and that I was, I was strongly wavering on switching him with number five. And that was largely due to Hunter's argument. So I will admit that I'm open to being altered on that point. But on my own merits, I have Jorge Masvidal at number seven. Yeah, so I don't have Jorge Masvidal at number seven. but uh, <laughs> I, <bet you> do. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't have him ridiculously high. And I do agree with you about the, the next title shot thing. However, I'm with Hunter on this one. Vicente Luque. Um, I mean... Number seven for Presente Luque, I think, is fantastic. I think he's on the UFC's rankings. He's number six. Um, but number seven for me, that's fantastic ranking. Um, think about how stacked welterweight is. That means you're seventh in line for the title shot. couple more fights right there. Um, and how good do you look against Tyron Woodley? I won't even really expand on this that much just because I think he's a phenomenal fighter. Uh, develop a little bit more, tough as they come. Uh, really round out his skill set. And I think he could be definitely moving up in the rankings soon. Yeah. No, agreed. Agreed. Uh, for number six here, I have what could be surprising, uh, Leon Edwards. Ooh. 
I think we haven't right. seen Leon okay. Edwards right. much in the Octagon for a while. And then when we did see him, he won due to eye poke. Now, let alone stand, stand alone. I mean, before that, all that, he was looking fantastic on the feet. But then again, he was also facing the number 13 ranked welterweight. So it's kind of hard to say how good he is right now. I mean, before, for after, I mean, a few, few years ago, we can say now he was looking fantastic, but he hasn't been here for years. I just feel like we haven't seen enough for him to be moved up any higher. So I'm going to put Leon Edwards number six. Yeah, very fair argument. I have little complaints about that. I have Leon in a different place, but we will find that out later on. My number six is Michael Chiesa. And I feel Michael fully warns being higher up on the rankings of the welterweight division. I think he's on a fantastic tour. Yes, you can question the level of his opponents, and that's a perfectly legitimate argument to level. But he's worthy of a shot. You know, he's done. He's fought every fight they've asked him to. He's gone out. He's got the finishes, and he's earned his stripes in this division. You know, he's one of the more experienced guys, and he's shown a variety of ways to win and a sheer will to win. So for me, Michael Chiesa, number six, just outside the top five. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I'm agreeing with one of you guys on on most of these. So, uh, yeah, I have Michael Chiesa at number six. I think he's ranked number seven on the UFC website. I rank him just above Vicente Luque. A lot. Of, no one wants to fight Michael Chiesa at the moment. He looks so good on the ground. He's well-rounded. His stand-up is getting better every single fight, and he looks to be improving every single fight. He's healthy at 170. I think we're, gonna, we're, we're going to get to see a lot from Michael Chiesa in the future at 170. I'm very excited, and uh, he's a dangerous guy for sure. Yeah, yeah. I think we're on, what, number five now, right? Number five, yep. I have uh, Gilbert Burns. Okay. Uh, so I think – he just keeps coming off a loss right now. Uh, knockout loss to Kamaru Usman. I think he's a fantastic fighter. But we take a look at the fights leading up to his title shot. And this was against a Tyro Woodley that we've been seeing on the decline. We, this is against uh, Damian Maya, fantastic grappler. But, I mean, he, he knocks him out. He's not much else other than a grappler. And uh, a few good fighters before then, but not also big names. But I think Gilbert Burns has the making to become a champion. Don't get me wrong. I just think it's not his time yet. And uh, he will get there soon. He just needs to develop a little bit more uh, 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 educated striking and more of an MMA IQ. And I feel like he can definitely become champion here soon. Yeah, love that. Um, my number five is very interesting because this is where it feeds into my pick for number seven. My number five is Vicente Luque. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And I, I respect Vicente Luque a hell of a lot. I know all three of us do, and we regularly have. I think his skill level is exemplary. He's young, he's hungry, and he is accelerating up the division. And he's no question a couple of fights away from being in the top three of the division. Now, I will admit, as I said with Jorge Masvidal at seven, I have to applaud Hunter's arguments because I'm open to changing Luque from Masvidal. If, you know, if we were to do this again, I would be open to swapping them based on current status. But I think on skill, on, act- on activity and on finishes and on just sheer octagon ship and impressiveness, I, th- I don't think there's many arguments against Luque being the head of the top five either. Yeah, I like I can see that. I don't. I just don't think I would rank him that high. I, I, I maybe don't know. too I, soon. I I think too soon. I think he needs. I think he needs an, at least another fight before top five conversation can be had. And I respect. If, it. I like it. I yeah. think the way we've seen him fight, he's definitely top five material. I agree opinion. with that. I agree with that. Yeah, yeah. And if you had if you had switched it, we would have the same seven six five because at five I have Jorge Masvidal. 
Um, and again, this is pretty low for Jorge, but all the stuff considering it, you basically laid out a perfect argument. I just think that's really low for seven. Uh, I, I have him at five. Um, and, and this is just because also purely, I don't think he is as deserving of another title shot as the guys I rank above him. That's what I really based my top 10 Probably. off of. Who deserves the title shot next? And we go down from there. And whenever I was looking at it, I was like, I want to rank Masvidal higher, but I just can't put him ahead of the other guys. Masvidal is a fantastic fighter. All the reasons you, list, you listed are valid. My thing is just the guys that are ahead of him on my list deserve it more than he does at the moment. Fair enough. Fair enough. As we move into number four here, yeah. I got Jorge Masvidal here. Okay. Um, Jorge Masvidal, I feel like, even with all the hype right, surrounding him right now, I think before that he was extremely underrated too. Um, this is a guy with, mm-hmm. what, I think 49 fights in his career. I think he's like 35 <laughs> yeah. or 14. Yeah. And he hasn't been finished once. This guy can take a beating. And the amount of uh, – the, the high level of competition he's, he's about to be facing and the amount of time he's been training towards this high level competition, we've heard fights against Kamara Usman, which is going to be happening here this weekend. And we've heard fights against Colby Covington. I feel like his grappling game is going to be getting better and better every single time he comes out here. I think he's, that's strictly, I feel like, what he's been learning for the past year and a half now, just after that fight against Kamaru Usman. And I think we're going to be seeing even better Jorge Masvidal come this Saturday, even one that could even threaten Kamaru Usman for the belt here. Um, Jorge Masvidal, fantastic fighter. Uh, I, I really don't have much bad to say about him. Um, yeah, Jorge Masvidal, number four. Man, that's a stunning start. Masvidal's never <laughs> been finished. That's amazing. Yeah, I didn't know Or that. knocked out. That's really impressive. I will certainly say that. My number four is Gilbert Burns. And the reason I put Gilbert Burns as number four is this, you know, on an absolute tear prior to fully getting his deserved title shot against Kamaru Usman. Let's not forget, nearly finished Kamaru Usman in the first round too. Looked really, really impressive up until he was stopped in the second round. I think Gilbert Burns is a future champion. I'm, I th- I'm pretty sure all of us would agree on that to some level for sure. I think he's just a really, really impressive specimen as a fighter. I think his style's fantastic. I think his style's dominant too. You know, he's got that fantastic wrestling that people don't get up from, and he can absolutely send you into either space with one of those hands if it connects properly. I think... I think Gilbert Burns has all the right pieces around him. I think you can make a very fair argument his title shot maybe came a little too soon against, you know, the undisputed king, Kamaru Usman. But to lose to the champions never a shame. You're putting yourself against the best and you're putting yourself out there to be tested. For me, Gilbert Burns, number four. Especially if he almost beat the champion in the first yeah. round. Like, yeah. That means he's not undeserving. You know, he was, it was a good fight. Absolutely. Yeah, and we're, we're on the same page. I have Burns number four as well. All the reasons you listed. And uh, honestly, in most divisions, you would be an automatic number one contender. Maybe to fight one more time to get another title shot. Um, but this is welterweight. This is one of the most stacked divisions in the UFC, if not the most stacked division in the UFC. So it's a shame that he is ranked number four for me because I do think he is one fight away, maybe two fights away from a title fight. Um, whereas, I mean, his skill set is so good. Kamar Usman was just on another level that night, training with Trevor Whitman and his jab. Um, there's no shame in losing to that. And he fought very well as well. Um, yeah, number four for Burns. I'm not even – like, you you said it perfectly. Um, just, again, the guys ahead of him, I just have a little bit more ahead of him. Yeah, no. So, just to reiterate, um, spoiler alert, my, my number one is Kamara Usman because I definitely didn't do this right. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry about it. Um, my number uh, three right here is Stephen Thompson, which would probably be number two on your guys' list. 
Um, Steven Thompson, I, statistically, I don't have much to say about this matchup, why he's at number two. I feel like he's been in the top five for the welterweights for years now, and I think he should stay there because he's a fantastic fighter. And this gives Usman such a different uh, a fight than he is used to. Steven Thompson is a fantastic striker, like we've talked about in the past. His karate is on a whole other experience or a whole other level, along with his kickboxing just all around. Um, he's susceptible to takedowns, but he doesn't stay down, as we've seen in the past, especially in the Tyrone Woodley fight, at least one. <laughs> number two is a little bit different. But, um, yeah, I'd say Steven Thompson, number number two, because, I mean, he deserves this. He, he's always been good to the UFC. He goes out there and he puts on a show every fight. And he's just an entertaining fighter to watch. And you want to see him do well for how good he is. He's the NF, NMF, the nicest mofo yeah. in, the, uh, yeah, yeah. In, in the welterweight division and maybe in the UFC. That needs to be a real title of We Have a BMF title for sure. It, it absolutely does. must be. Wei Li Zhang, shout out for that contention as well for the women's <laughs> NMF belt too. Robert, um, getting Winnaker, back to the... Thompson too. <laughs> yeah. Love, book it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Back to the order of business. My number three, perhaps a little spicy again. I have Leon Edwards. And the reason I have Leon Edwards is this. You know, his record speaks for itself. He has looked world-class in the octagon every time he's been and he's just looked so so good against all his other opponents he's looked a different class a different cut above and when you consider every other contender behind him there's only a few that are more deserving than him quite frankly edwards deserved a title shot a long time ago quite frankly when woodley was still champion now, I will admit Edwards completely screwed himself and played yeah. his cards all yeah. wrong. I really don't think there's much need to get into that. We all know what happened. But on the basis of the merits alone, Leon Edwards is fully deserving of a title shot. He has the skill. He has the will. And for me, he's my number three. Dang it, Keelan. I, I didn't want you to choose him as number three because that's my number three as well. What is happening right now? <laughs> I thought I was going to rank him way too. I thought you guys were going to put Leon uh, lower, but all right. Yeah, number three for Leon. Uh, even though the eye poke thing happened in his fight back, that fight showed so much for me with, yeah. with Leon Edwards. He looked phenomenal, really like the best he's looked since we last saw him fight. He was stalking down Bilal Muhammad the entire fight, just picking him apart. The fight would have been stopped, I think, in the third round if it had gone that long. Uh, he was looking amazing. Um, and I think he's going to keep that up in, in this. He ride that momentum. I think he beats Diaz. If Diaz wins, then I just, I, I quit with everything Mayhem. because who knows? <laughs> um, but yeah, Leon Edwards looked amazing. We'll get to see how he looks against Diaz in a high level opponent in a five round fight, but Hey, he looked amazing. Uh, and, and I have him as my number three again, like he said, all the fights before that. And then to come out, come out after a year and a half off and look that good. That says a lot about a fire in their mentality. So yeah, Leon number three for me. Good pick. Good pick. Uh, no complaints against that. My number two, which is actually my number one, is uh, Colby Covington. No surprise. Okay. Uh, Colby, fantastic fighter, fantastic grappler. I think he gave Kamaru Usman the biggest run for his money we've seen. And I think he can do it again here uh, pretty shortly. Dana White even agrees with me. Um, he, uh, <laughs> he, has, uh, he has Colby Covington for his next title shot, uh, apparently, which I don't know if I agree with that. Because I would love to see Stephen Thompson fight next since we just haven't seen it yet. But there's definitely no complaints for me. If we see another fight like we saw the first time around with uh, Usman and Covington, oh, we're in for a treat. So, you know, I, I'll take it even a fraction of that. 
Yeah. Uh, but yeah, number number one slash two, Colby Covington. God, for the first time, I actually think me and Hunter are on the same page. Number two <laughs> is the NMF, Stephen Boy Thompson. Let's have him. <laughs> Let's have it, boys. Uh, yeah, there's there's no real arguments against this, is there? Wonderboy Thompson, 38 years old, looks as good as he has always looked. You know, beat a young killer in Vicente Luque, looked some of the best he's ever looked in his career. Beat Jeff Neal, his karate was as sharp as ever. If anything, as we broke down, he looked even better. He sits behind his punches now. He sits behind his kicks. He now carries power instead of outpointing. And that's a real problem for anybody above him because Wonderboy moves like no else in that division and arguably no one else in the company and you know there's really no other arguments for denying him a title shot except for my number one because even if you consider his last title shots against tyron woodley which you so eloquently broke down both of you um think of the position a, a beast back then like tyron woodley had him in that would have finished any other fighter of that i have no question and wonder boy not only got out of it but made an argument that he should have won the rest of the fight and that takes something special it truly truly does Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, you are my number two. And sorry, can we yeah. just butt in here? Um, in that Stephen Thompson versus Vicente Luque fight, he broke both of his hands and then went on to to set a striking record for himself. Yeah. Like, yeah, he, he's a beast. He's yeah. a beast. I, I I fully agree with you, Keelan. Yeah. Uh, so guys, I think for the second time, I, I technically the first time was us all agreeing on Lala McDonald too, but I don't really count that because like anyone would agree that's number. Everybody one. was going to say that. Legitimately, the first time we've all agreed on a spot tonight is this one right here, Wonder Boy at number two. Um, and I think on on a lot of people's rankings, a lot of the UFC's rankings, he would be way too high. But look at what he's done. Look at how good he's looked. Look at how he's fought recently. He's sitting down on everything. Like Keelan said, that's what you like. It's it's that's the perfect thing. He's finally fighting to finish and inflict damage. He's switching up his style back to what it used to be originally. And look what he's doing. Stephen Thompson, is, aside from Michael Chiesa, I guess also technically Ryan Hall, but is one of the most avoided guys in the entire UFC because no one wants to fight that. How do you fight that? You're in round four and you have hardly landed the punch because you don't realize the fight's even started yet because he's just been flowing for the entire time. You don't even realize what hits you. That is Stephen Thompson. And right now, I think you can make an argument. He is fighting at his prime at 38 years old. He looks amazing. And after the, I guess, two next title fights, uh, Masvidal and then Colby, um, which I guess that's a spoiler for my number one, but that's fine. Um, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson should get the next title fight uh, based off of how good he's looked and, and just how fun a matchup he is against anybody in that division. Jack, sorry, Hunter, go ahead. No, no, I I already messed up my my number one Kamaru Usman. Let's <laughs> hey, <yeah>. Kamaru <laughs> Usman versus Kamaru Usman for the title. Technically, that's all our number one. So yeah. nice, nice. Yeah. No, I'm gonna put uh, CM Punk number one. Ah, go ahead. I forgot. Yes, <laughs> but then you've got to put Mike Jackson at number two. That's right, of course. And then Ben Askren number three. Yeah, I know Ben Askren. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, Ben Askren's already the champion. So I mean, yeah. you, you can't. You can't. Oh, for God's sake! <laughs> we don't mention no. Ben Askren's name anymore. All right. Yep. Continue. Yeah. <laughs> he, he is dead to us now. <laughs> you failed, Jack. Us. I swear to God, me and you have agreed with about 50% of this list. And this Hunter, two in, two in a row, we agree with each yeah. other again. Don't Donald Trump's one. PR manager, <laughs> is number one on my list. He really is. The mouth out of Florida is number one. And 
you know, again, people will have their own opinions on Colby Covington, but what you cannot deny is how bloody good he is in the octagon. He comes forward and he does not stop until the final bell rings or until the ref drags him off of you. Um, by far, gave Kamaru Usman his toughest test. There were times I really thought he was going to stop Kamaru as well, and that is just nothing but complete respect and credit to Colby Covington himself. In many ways, he's actually very similar to Jorge Masvidal and that he's had this big career resurgence, even though he's still only very young. You know, whenever he fought Rafael dos Anjos in Rio, oh, yeah. he, he developed this persona and he, it was almost like some sort of superpower just came to him because he's looked so, so good since. You know, Robbie Lawler could not get a good shot off against him in 25 minutes. Because as I have said before, and in many ways, this is more devastating than a power puncher. Colby Covington punches with volume. He punches so that you cannot counter those punches. And then he takes you down and then he baits you up. And then you do not get up from that. Colby Covington is a nightmare for any style in not only this division, but also in the UFC as a whole. And there really is no one more deserving of the title shot than chaos Colby Covington. Yeah, and like you said, we agree. Uh, I, Marty Newsman from Nebraska, his <laughs> his his biggest rival, the Trump PR man, as as Keelan said earlier, uh, is got to be number one. Um, yeah, I, I I mean he's definitely put on a personality. He's definitely someone everybody knows now. Um, but you know, as much as I might not like to admit it, he is one of the best fighters on the planet right now, and it's because of what you just said there. Those guys at welterweight, the very top. Stephen Thompson, uh, uh, Kamara Usman, and, and Colby Covington, those guys are so good at their styles and what they do. They perfected it, and he has done that as well. doesn't have the most power behind his hands, but he will finish people because of just the pure volume and pressure. He will never tire out. He, he, he will never tire out. He will never exhaust. Even in that Kamara Usman fight, yeah, he slowed down, but that was because his face got destroyed. I mean, he was still going forward. Um, I mean, look at Tyron Woodley, what he did to him. I know Tyron Woodley was on the on the outs, but still, Tyron Woodley is a tough fight for anyone today. Um, uh, yeah, he, he's amazing. He's got to be number one, and especially what sealed it for me. I was kind of on the fringe because I, I, I don't really know, but as soon as Dana White said Colby Covington is next mm-hmm. in line for the title, I was like, absolutely. He's got to be number one. That Kamara Usman rematch coming up soon after the Masvidal fight, I do believe. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. By the yeah. way, can you imagine if Masvidal somehow wins? Masvidal <laughs> Covington, the hype that's going to have. That'd I sure amazing. hope he wins. That's, that'd be such a fun fight to watch. Florida versus fl- the other half of Florida. That'd be amazing. <laughs> that'd be crazy. Yeah. Yeah, be oh crazy. Kobe, Kobe a lot reminds me of Max Holloway with the, the volume he strikes. You know? Oh, okay. yeah. Max Absolutely. Holloway, he eventually puts his opponents away, unlike, you know, I mean, like Covington, but. Covington's at least got the wrestling behind him. He's such a great mixed martial artist. Love to see him. Yeah, absolutely. And the gas tank as well. They they both never tire out. So, yeah, absolutely. So, um, based following off of that, what are some matchups that you would like to see in 170 uh, at the moment? All right. So, this is why I did the the list like I did it so I can include Kamaru Usman in this. So, um, uh, my first matchup – just easy number, my number eight versus my number nine. I have Damian Maya versus Neil Magny. You know, it's kind of a little bit of a, a gatekeeper match, like a little bit, hey, we're going to see who's a little bit better. Damian Maya, the fantastic grappler. Neil Magny actually going against really high level uh, uh, wrestling again, like he did against um, Michael Chiesa in his last fight. But 
I think this fight can show us who's truly wants it more and who should stay in this top 10 in the division. Yeah, um, the problem with how good welterweight's rankings are is that there's multiple fights per fighter that you could equally justify putting in any order. I mean, if you look at my top 10, Demi and Maya, you could put him against Neil Magny or Jeff Neil. I wouldn't be mad at either of those. Um, for my number seven and my number five, if you were to move Luke back to seven and say put Masvidal at the gate of top five, you know, Luke Chiesa, that would be a good fight. I'd watch that for sure. What have you got, Jack? Yeah, I, I, I'm on the same page. I, I would do Neil Magny. No, well, okay. I said Neil Magny. That's his actual name. I mean, Jeff Neil versus Neil Magny. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I just I just caught that as I was saying it. Um, that, that would probably be the fight I would do because not, on my list, at least, Magny is ranked uh, one above him. I don't know the official UFC rankings, but I, no, Jeff Neil's 11. So Magny's definitely 11. ahead of him, yeah. um, which is I, he'll, he should not be that. Um, but Neil Magny, uh, Jeff Neil, I think Jeff Neil, that would be a great fight to prove himself. And Neil Magny's a very tough test. And if Neil Magny wins, well, he's right back where, where he left off. So I think that's probably the fight at the opener uh, that, that I would say. Yeah. It's a good pick. Uh, here I hear, I got Michael Chiesa, who is ranked number uh, seven on my list, versus Gilbert Burns, who is actually okay. ranked yeah. number five. Like so that. here's a I big like name for Michael Chiesa to prove himself. I wanted to give him the shot because – I want him to be higher. I just don't have him higher right now. This is going to be a, both, a good fight for both of them. I think uh, if you want to go to the ground here, I think Gilbert Burns has the skills to finish him on the ground. Same thing with Michael Chiesa. Because Michael Chiesa is such a dominant wrestler. And on the feet, they're both actually talented strikers we've seen in the past. Gilbert Burns can put people to sleep from anywhere. Uh, and Michael Chiesa, we can actually see if he is top rank material. I think this is my fight I have. Gilbert Burns, Michael Chiesa. Yeah, um, sorry, uh, guys, I'm just looking at my list here just yeah, to refer exactly. to. Um, as I think that's actually a very valid argument. I think Kiesa Burns makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, again, you could even throw Luke in there yeah, as well, too. Sure. I think you could do that. Um, a couple of fights I'd like to see. Obviously, a lot of my picks are write-offs because we have confirmed fights already. Yeah. So, you know, Masvidal, there's no point in mentioning because he's fighting this weekend. Edwards is fighting Nate Diaz anyway. I'd love to see whenever these fights pan out, Wonderboy Leon Edwards. I just yeah. think that would be a match for the ages at 170. Stylistically, that fight writes itself. One fight I'd really, really like to see, Wonderboy Gilbert Burns. It's booked. And- isn't it? Yeah, they, yeah, they, they verbally it? agreed on it. Yeah, it's it's for the Connor Dustin co-main event. Yeah, okay. July 10th. Yeah. Oh, insane. There you go. <laughs> One of my predictions has come to life. Yeah, hey, just like that. And there's a reason why I love this fight. Not only because of everything we've outlined in outlining our top 10. If Wonder Boy can beat Gilbert Burns, that tells me Wonder Boy can beat Kamar Usman. Because in fighting Gilbert Burns, you're kind of fighting the B plus version of an A plus fighter. And that's not a disrespect to Gilbert Burns. That's just that Gilbert Burns yeah. isn't the finished article yet. If you can implement your style as effectively and successfully against Gilbert Burns, that tells me you have pretty much everything you need to beat the champion so that fight is going to be massive make sure you don't miss that i'm sure none of us will be and then when everything pans out covington's getting the title shots there's no real question about that um and then leon edwards it's kind of hard to fit him in anywhere 
because you know Nate Diaz is unpredictable. He could go out and finish him for all we know. Nate likes upsetting the script. So those are my main fights that I'd make at the moment. I think they make the most sense. One of them has already been verbally agreed. So I can't wait to see how 170 pounds out. I would not want to be Sean Shelby right now. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't want to be him, but I would love to be him at the same time because you, yeah. you like you could go wrong, but like you really can't go wrong with, with all the fights. Uh, yeah, I don't know. To rally round it off, I mean, a lot of these guys are booked. Um, I don't know. Just some dream matchups that I like to see. Obviously, Wonderboy tomorrow. Uh, I'd love to see Wonderboy Leon. Obviously, Leon didn't want that fight, and I don't blame him uh, because of the position he thought he was in the title fight. But Wonderboy, that's a dangerous matchup. I would love to see that, though. Two technical strikers going down. That'd be amazing. Um, Really, though, I agree with what you said, Hunter. Burns versus Michael Chiesa, especially Burns drops one against Wonderboy. That's the fight to make for me because that's a huge step up for Michael Chiesa. And for Burns, that's the fight that he has to win, basically, to keep his name in there. Um, yeah. That would be a fantastic fight. I don't really – I want to do something for Vicente Luque, but he kind of needs to sit to the side and let everybody else figure it out at the moment because uh, I, I I don't really have a fight for him. I don't have him ranked as high as as, as Keelan does, so I don't really know um, a great fight. I mean, he could fight Michael Chiesa, but I don't know. I feel like that's kind of a waste of those, those guys' potentials fighting that early. I feel like both those guys should fight further ahead and then eventually match up. Um, obviously, Masvidal's booked. Colby's going to get the title. Um, Leon's booked. So yeah, that's kind of that's kind of my thinking. Uh, after Colby Wonderboy gets the title shot, if he beats Burns, if he doesn't beat Burns, oh, I did this on the last podcast. I forgot about that. I did like the uh, <laughs> the whole Arrow thing. Yeah. Um, if if so, Colby will get the next title shot. If um, if Leon wins, uh, and and if Wonderboy wins, then he's after that. If Wonderboy loses, then Leon's next. If he beats Diaz, then Burns after that. Um, but if not, then Wonderboy is second in line for for the title shot for me. And then if so Nate I, wins, just create a whole new flow chart. He's, he's, he's yeah. the champ at that point. I mean, Clark <laughs> yeah. doesn't stand a chance. So, yeah. <laughs> so I kind of threw, you know, bookings into the wind here. I, I just went straight up dream matches here. So I'm yeah, going to yeah, give yeah. them right. quick. Right. I got a Leon Edwards versus Vicente Luque. Okay. Here. Oh, I, love, yeah. I think it'd be a fun technical striking match against one who just ho- throws so much power in every punch for Vicente Luque. After that, I have the bad blood Jorge Masvidal versus Colby Covington. Yes. Yes. I would love to see this. Yes. I think everyone wants to see this, and I feel like Jorge's wrestling is just getting better every time he comes out. That fight Actually, needs to be held in Florida. Needs, in Florida, Jacksonville. And it needs to be anywhere. the ultimate fight. Miami well. would be the best. Miami, Florida yes. would be the absolute yeah. best to hold it in. <laughs> if not, you know, like uh, uh, yeah, just like UFC Apex. <laughs> anywhere yeah. it could be held anywhere i will watch it yeah. and then uh take it back one, to the streets yeah take it back <laughs> to the streets screw it we'll go in the backyard we'll slice okay. fun, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then uh number one steven thompson kamara Usman. i think that yeah. would be my favorite to see and for we, we've already listed the reasons so i won't go into it yeah yeah i love all of that yeah, absolutely. I mean, some great stuff so far. We're, we're going to keep rolling now. Um, so these are the fan questions. And while we're on the topic of potential uh, matchups, Michael uh, dropped a fan question that says, what would we think about Jorge Masvidal versus, uh, versus Gilbert Burns, uh, a matchup between those two? I don't, I don't see it happening. I don't know. They, they don't really talk to each other on Twitter, nor do they ever talk to each other in the press conferences. I feel like um... – there's no there's no lead up to the fight i mean if i were to see the fight i wouldn't be disappointed you know i love both fighters and well anytime either of them stop step into the octagon i'll definitely watch the fight 
Um, stylistically, uh, I think Gilbert Burns has some Brazilian jiu-jitsu that he would definitely take into account here and uh, probably take advantage of. Because on the feet, I don't think he would want to trade with Jorge Masvidal because uh, the uh, body kicks that he tends to do and the head kicks that he sneaks in every now and then. And Jorge's left hook is just deadly. So yeah. on the feet, uh, I, I see Jorge winning. On the ground, I can see Gilbert Burns winning it. But don't get me wrong, Gilbert Burns could definitely win on the uh, on the feet too. He's got that crazy knockout power that just comes out of absolutely nowhere. Yeah, um, I'm certainly not mad at the idea. I mean, if Sean Shelby comes to me and says, we're going to make this fight, I'm not going to throw it back in his face. (laughs) Um, I I think my kind of summary works very similarly along Hunter's idea and that it's the B-plus version of the A-plus fighter fighting Masvidal. So Masvidal will be fighting a very similar thing to what he will have fought already. Um, Of course, Gilbert Burns throws for everything. You know, he he goes out to throw hooks to hit home runs with every punch that he throws. But then again, you do not want to stand and trade with Jorge Masvidal because he carries serious power in those hands. Look at the Nate Diaz fight. He had him busted within a round. Um, and Nate Diaz, or sorry, Jorge Masvidal's body work is nasty. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. some of those, some of those left hand shots to the kidneys of Nate Diaz were criminally powerful. And you know, Nate Diaz never gives away the amount of damage that he takes in a fight. He's got an excellent poker face, but you could see him wincing from those shots. And he went he down had, to a body kick at one he, point. He yeah. had to go down. That's just what I was about to say. When has Nate Diaz ever had to go down from a shot? That tells you what you need to know. That being said, being on if this fight gets to the ground, I still think Gilbert Burns would have enough to beat him. He's got the BJJ and Masvidal would want to keep this fight in the feet because that's where he has his best chance of landing that explosive power out of anywhere. And Masvidal can knock out any 170 fighter landing flush. There is no question. But Gilbert Burns can too. So it's an interesting fight. I'm, I certainly would not be angry at it at all. I would definitely watch it. But I would have to question whether there's much point in doing it if Masvidal's already fighting Usman again. Yeah, yeah, I, I I agree with that. I don't really know what scenario would play out where they would fight. It would be have to very a very be a very specific one. Uh, I guess if maybe Jorge won the title, but like Jorge, they they would match him up with someone other than Burns because Burns wouldn't sell. If Jorge Masvidal is a champ, you're gonna want the fights that sell. Um, it, it's a great fight though. I think they're very evenly matched actually. Um, I think I think more than Kamaro versus Masvidal, these guys are very evenly matched. Uh, on the feet, I do give Masvidal the advantage, just like you guys grappling in and BJJ I give to um I give to Burns um but but that being said I don't think much does a slap a slouch in the grap in the grappling department either I think it's just a good fight I, I don't really know how it would play out at the moment just because I, if they were to match up in the future I guess they were the if they were to fight right now I'd lean ah, I actually don't know I maybe I'd lean a little bit towards Burns just because of how well-rounded he is just uh, just a, just a little bit towards Burns um but that being said, whenever they do fight, I wouldn't know because so much changes so quickly in welterweight. Um, again, it would be a great fight. It would be a great fight. I just don't know what scenario would happen and who would win. Who, who knows? But um, it's a great idea. I, I really like the question. Thank you, Michael. Um, and so now moving on, our next question. This comes from Evan. Could Hazmat Chimaev, if he keeps racking up wins, be a threat to Kamaru Usman? To Kamara Usman. Oh, yeah. I guess he's a welterweight fighter as well. I always picture him at middleweight, but um, so do I. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, he could definitely be a threat. Are you kidding me? That guy's wrestling and then 
his striking ability, we just I feel like we haven't seen enough of of him because when he's in that octagon, he finishes first round every single time. Yeah, it's crazy. He's got the he's got from what we've seen against a low level fighter uh, against low level fighters, he's got the grappling of Khabib when he's fighting someone low, and then when he was fighting Gerald Mearshaw, who just coming out coming off of, come off of a submission. Yeah, he was good. And he was fantastic. He knocked him out in one punch. We don't see this happen very often, so I don't. I don't think it's going to happen next year, or maybe even the year after that. But um, if he can work himself up there and and get those, I mean, he's back after this. Uh, he's saying he's hungry. He's ready to fight again. And the amount of, uh, I think he's going to be competing in middleweight, though. I don't know if he's going to be he- competing in welter. I, the, his last two fights, I think, were in middleweight, if I remember correctly, and. Uh, and he's had success there, and he's building his, his name there in, in middleweight. So I just don't know if it'll happen. But if it does happen, I think Kamaru is just too well-rounded right now. I think he's a better wrestler still because NCAA, fantastic wrestler. I think he was Olympic at one point, or he trained with the Olympians. I know that. Um, but, yeah, uh, who knows? It's too early to tell, I'd say. Dude, these Eastern Dagestani boys are built mm-hmm. differently. I mean – First of all, it's still, it's very, very good to hear that Kamzat Shemaev is actually back. It's good to hear that he's recovered from all his health issues. So, first of all, welcome back if he is back. It's great to see. Yeah, um, if you're asking me at this moment in time, I don't think it's very close. I think Usman would finish him relatively easily. But Kamzat Shemaev has got a lot of physical attributes going in his favor. I must admit, in prefacing this, I agree with Hunter. I think his future's at middleweight as opposed to welterweight. I think, you know, he's so stocky and so tall. The weight cut is going to be hell every single time. And especially championship weight will eventually be a nightmare for Kamzat Shemaev too. Um, yeah, I mean, it's very hard to go along with anything else than what Hunter's just said. In a year or two, maybe, yeah. If he works through the welterweight division, you know, there's a very wide variety of tests that will improve his game. You know, you you might get tripped up by the jiu-jitsu of Damian Maya. You've got the kickboxing of someone like Vicente Luque. You have the karate of Wonderboy. And if so you can get... Tests. Yeah, exactly. There are so many ver- variety of tests too that's the key to note here you're facing every possible style so if in a year or two he can get through all of that then absolutely he should be a well-rounded enough fighter to take on kamaru and as we know the likes of shemaev have the likes of kabib Nurmagomedov, and these guys who are when it comes to wrestling are just demons you know aside from kamaru usman's wrestling the dagestani wrestling really really is the best because no one gets up whenever that fight hits the ground. And I would be really intrigued to see it. I actually think there's an interesting parallel to point out here. You may remember a few weeks ago, a very good friend of mine, Evandro, asked us about Sean O'Malley and Corey Sanhagen and Bantamweight. This is a bit like that to me, and that it's a dream matchup, but it's just way too soon. You give Chimaev a year or two of good octagon time, I'm certainly here for it, no question at all, if he stays at welterweight. He absolutely could give him a test, but realistically... I would conclude that his future's at 185 without having to cut weight and being able to build up even more weight. I think he would be a 
terrifying phenom for 185. But if he stays at 170, why not? Yeah, I don't know. It's fascinating. I think, I mean, whenever you see a guy that's from Chechnya, Dagestan area, and has a scar on his face, stay away from him at all costs. <laughs> Because you will yeah. die if you get in a fight with him. Uh, and and, and Hasmach Maya looked, has looked amazing. It's it's been a real uh, unfortunate situation with what he's been going through with COVID and everything. But he's going to be back. He's he's going to be ready to go. And I'm very excited to see. I, I I do hope he stays at Welterweight. I would love to see that because I think that Kamaru Usman Chumayev matchup down the road could be a good one. I think he does have the skills to beat Kamaru Usman on paper if they were to match up whenever he's beaten people and everything. I do think he could have a legitimate shot at the champion. Now, like you guys said, if you fought him right now, that, that's not even the conversation because that you you that's not even a conversation. No one beats no no fighter ranked around there would beat Kamara Usman right now. Not even Hasmat Chimaev. Um, but couple years, year, couple years after some great opponents moving up the rankings. Ooh, I don't know. Rounding out the game and everything. He's got good stand-up. He trains with Alexander Gustafsson and those guys up in Sweden. So, yeah. um, obviously, the wrestling's there. He's working on his stand-up constantly. <laughs> Coming off a one-punch one, one punch <laughs> knockout over what a guy in Gerald Mershaw who just saw dominate an opponent. So, a very good guy there, too. So, yeah, I think he has all the potential in the world, and I would love to see a Kamaru Usman matchup in the future. I think he would do pretty decently against him as well. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. So, our, our next uh, fan question – um, is what 155-pound fighter do you think could have some success at the welterweight division? Oh, that's a great question. Fantastic. Yes. Oh, man, yeah. let me think. I I, I mean, Rafael Desanyos already had success yeah. out there, so I would, that would just be the easy answer. But if we're thinking moving up, I think I think Tony Ferguson. I think Tony Ooh, Ferguson. Really? I think realistically Ooh. here, you know, Tony Ferguson, he's off of a few losses right now. Everyone knows the name of Tony Ferguson, and he's got such a, a manner of fighting that he can really mix it up with anyone he comes across. He's 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 fought everyone at lightweight or or every all levels of competition, I should say. So when he needs to fight that kickboxer, he fought Edison Barbosa already. When he's he's fought, he needs to fight a karate guy. He fought. I think I'm pretty sure he fought. Uh, 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 he fought. Did he fight Paul Felder? Who are you? Tony. No, uh, Tony. Oh, I don't. I don't think Tony fought. Um, no, I, I don't remember it. I don't think so. Okay, fair enough. He hasn't fought karate yet. I don't think. Um, <laughs> but he's fought every share of kickboxer I, I can even think of off the top of my head in the lightweight division, and he's trained for wrestlers because come on, he he he's trained against Khabib five different times, and then oh, I think I think Tony Ferguson off that welterweight could, could do a real difference in the division, and it would throw a screwball. He's like Nate Diaz up there right now. He could change everything in just just one fight. Yeah, I actually really love that shout. I do, and I somehow I forgot about Tony Ferguson. And I think as well, you know, Tony Ferguson is capable of taking an ungodly volume of punishment. Mm -hmm. The Gaethje yeah. fight showed that. If he was up at 170 with sort of fuller cheeks and had more physical protection around him, God knows what damage Tony Ferguson could cause to that top five. Unbelievable shout from you, Hunter credit to you i think and i swear to god i have said this for years now if he was still the champion khabib would do 
oh. ungodly damage at yeah. 170 without that yes, weight would. cut. Yes, because he would. He, would st- he was a huge lightweight. Can you imagine what he would do to the 170 years? He's the only fighter in any division I would put as a betting favorite above Kamara Usman if they were to I fight agree. tomorrow. I agree. And and that I am convinced. Uh, I mean, looking at the lightweight rankings right now. I would say Chandler too, but it's hard to argue that because he's already having success at 155 and he's capable of making the weight cut very easily as well. Yeah. I think Ferguson's an unbelievable shout. The other guy I'd throw out there is maybe Dan Hooker. Yeah. Dan Dan's been having a little bit of a tough success. time. Yeah, he's been having a bit of a tough time at 55. Move up to 70, not having to cut the weight, facing a fresh range of opponents. That could be good for him as well. I was going to say... As like a potential last shout, maybe Kevin Lee, but Kevin Lee's in between places right now, and he can't really seem to get going at one fifty five or seventy. Put him so... against Kiesa. Put him against Kiesa. Oh. The Ooh. mom fight. Let's see it. <laughs> the rematch, right? Yeah, I am not yeah. at that at all. Because the first time they fought Kiesa, it was like he didn't tap, and then they stopped the fight and everything. Put him in again. Yeah, yeah, it's well. Lawler they, they, they got, they got bad again. blood, so I think it could sell the fight. You know, you talk bad about my mom, huh? <laughs> oh, just my God. I love that. I forgot, about that. I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah, you're talking about my dad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah make it happen. Um, yeah, Kevin Lee. Kevin Lee's a whole different conversation, but those are the fighters I would have said. I think Ferguson is the star shite from 55 right now. I really, really do. The other person I would maybe put up there is Dan Hooker, but an amazing yeah. question. Thank you very much for it. Yeah, uh, we almost found what Kevin Lee fit in. Almost. We were, we were, <laughs> we were this close. Uh, we almost yeah. found out the holes in his game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, almost. Um, I'm going to go with Islam Makachev is, is my guy. Yeah, uh, I was and, thinking that too. He's number eleven right now, right? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. He and, is. Like, he could climb super easy, uh, and, and obviously one of Habib's guys. He's another decently big guy for the weight class, but I just think he was succeeded any weight class he decides to go at. Um, just off of the style and everything, and just to not have that weight cut, I think he'd be even stronger and even more powerful at one seventy. And again, climb. Uh, now the fights would be a little, I think a little more challenging at that uh, bigger weight class because the height and everything, but I think he could have real success there. Um, and another guy, I'm, I, I don't think he should, but if, if, if he ever gets to this point in his career, I do think Dustin Poirier could have some success at 170. He's now he's not the biggest guy, but on the Joe Rogan podcast, they did mention he would be okay with going up mm-hmm. to 170 because no weight cut and everything, his power, we know his power would translate and everything um, this his speed and everything. I don't know if he would have the most success at 170. However, I do think he could be decently uh, a, a really tough challenge for anybody up there uh, if they were to fight him. So me, number one, I would say Makachev, and then two, uh, Dustin Poirier on, on my little list. That's a good one. I, I Dustin Poirier is a great pick. You know who else talked about moving up to, to welterweight? And he's not even in lightweight. He's in featherweight. Max Holloway said he might yeah, end his he career in welterweight. He did. Which I can't even imagine. Honestly, I, I can't even see him fighting up there. I don't know if he'd be able to carry the volume of strikes like he did before. Yeah. But, Holloway's yeah. the new BJ Penn. Yeah. <laughs> that was a fantastic question. Uh, it was yeah. One of my favorites I've had to answer. Great question. Absolutely. So let's go ahead. And before we get to our picks for this card, let's go ahead and give our, we've been saving this one for one of the last top, I guess this is top four, um, our Mount Rushmore for 170, probably greatest champions of all time, but greatest fighters of all time in the 170 pound division. Hunter, starting with you, 
who is first on your list at, uh, for the Mount Rushmore? First on my list, I'm gonna I'm gonna rank it as he's number four. You know, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Since Rushmore got four heads, uh, yep. I'm gonna say Matt Hughes. I think Matt okay. Hughes is a staple in the division. I think uh, when 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 I think of old school welterweight, I think Matt Hughes, and I think of his impressive wrestling we see out of him. And we're talking about like like wrestlings who we, he defined wrestling as a base you should have in the sport. I feel like, and we look back at early UFC, like we've seen Brazilian Jiu Jitsu out of Royce Gracie, we've seen striking out of out of almost everyone. But then when we think of wrestlers. When I think of back, I think Matt Hughes. I think Matt Hughes number four. I think that's a fantastic point. You know, the first time I ever saw world-class wrestling was probably the Carlos Newton fight with Matt Hughes. And that's where we saw how very, very important it was and how very important it would become. Um, I didn't initially plan these in any particular order, but I will fit in with the order, no problem at all. And number four, I'm going to put, I'm kind of torn between two. Number if if we're doing these in terms of ascending goatness, number four is Robbie Lawler. Yay. And Robbie Lawler's in there because I don't have a bad word to say about Robbie Lawler. I think he is just one of the I just think he is one of the toughest dudes I've ever seen. And you know, I I don't think anybody would ever do this, but if someone ever was laying out the lineage of the BMF and its originality, that road goes through the Robbie Lawler Highway beyond a no doubt. And every fight he's been in has been a war. You know, one of the greatest success stories of becoming a champion, the second wind in his career. I have never, ever been happier to see someone get a second win than Robbie Lawler, the heart of a Roman gladiator. Yeah, uh, I was kind of torn between this one as well. But you know what? I'm going off of just how memorable Robbie Lawler was. Uh, and I'm going to put him ahead of Tyron Woodley. Tyron Woodley would be my number five, just missing out on the Mount Rushmore for me. Uh and I do believe, I think they had the same amount of title defenses where Tyron Woodley had one more than Robbie Lawler. But based off of memorable fights, more. yeah, one more, I think so. Based off of memorable fights, though, and just legendary status, Robbie Lawler has to go on there for me. He has to be a part of it. And the legacy he left on the sport, uh, obviously one of the greatest fights we've ever seen, one of the greatest champions we've ever seen, an OG fighter getting a second win coming back. It's like a movie. It, it, it's seriously like a movie, what he did. Um, every single fight he was in was a war. Uh, and and again, like Keelan said, nothing bad to say about the guy. Absolute legend of the sport for me has to has to just make the Mount Rushmore at 170. Yeah, nice. Very nice. Can't say anything bad about Robbie Lawler. At number three, I think I have Kamara Usman. I think um, we've only seen the beginning of this champion. Um, he's a fantastic fighter and he's really becoming a mixed martial artist. When he first entered the UFC, we kind of just strictly saw wrestling with not a whole lot of striking. And then as his UFC career kept going, we've seen the striking increase and we've seen knockouts happen. And he is like, dare I say, George St. Pierre early in his career right now. Like, I mean, I'm not saying he's going to get the amount of, same amount of title defenses of nine, but he's, he's definitely moving up and he's only getting better with every fight we saw in his his last fight, his jab is getting better. And then the fight before that, just his stand-up alone, his boxing skills are getting better. And then in the in the uh, title stealage of um, of Tyrone Woodley, we saw some fantastic wrestling against a wrestler. Like, Tyrone Woodley's a good wrestler. You don't, don't sleep on his wrestling. And he wrestled him. He out-wrestled him. Kamaru Usman, number three. Number three for me, Matt Hughes. 
And, yeah. you know, Matt Hughes, like Robbie Lawler, fully deserves his place in the Mount Rushmore of the welterweight division. One of the things I've always loved about Matt Hughes is that he's always been this big, quiet, unassuming country boy who yeah. people would like have a drink with in a bar or you could just always relate to him. And then when he steps in that octagon, he will slam around any world-class athlete that he faces across from them, not to mention the amount of title defenses and how important he is to the history of the UFC. Matt Hughes, you have earned number three for me. Yeah, I, I like that. I'm going to go with Hunter on this one. I have Camaro at number three. Uh, I mean, he already to already be on the Mount Rushmore after just this long in the UFC is incredible. Um, he already has three title defenses, which is amazing. Uh, and, and he he's fighting the toughest competition there is. And he's got a lot more fights on the table as well. Lots to see from Kamara Usman. I'm looking forward to it. He's my number three. All right. So when I think Mount Rushmore, I think like presidents, I think most memorable presidents like George Washington, all that thing. That's why I have Robbie Lawler at number two. Okay, okay. Yeah, Robbie love Lawler, it. When you think love of it. the welterweight division, I think of Roy McDonald versus Robbie Lawler too. I think he is one of the most memorable fighters and he has some of the most memorable fights. So that's why I have him at number two. I I, I, I was close to putting him to number one. I'm not going to lie here for Mount Rushmore. But I mean, definitely number two. Uh, you guys, you I guys love explained it. as well as anyone else. So. I have a feeling my Mount Rushmore is going to create quite a lot of controversy oh, now. Here we go. Uh, what are you putting up Ben Askren there? <laughs> no, he, he just missed the top five. <laughs> Number two, BJ Penn. Okay. This is interesting. And, All right. Yeah. You know, BJ Penn to me, outside of really Randy Couture, is the first fighter I ever remember seeing who just wanted to fight everybody. You know, fought at 155 for the majority of his career, demanded to fight the best at 170. When people were kind of looking the other way at Matthews, BJ Penn was frothing like a barking dog, demanding to fight Matthews, coming back to the UFC, and he won. When have we ever seen this happen? To come back in a title fight against GOAT material like Matthews and to win? That's not saying... That's notwithstanding building on the legacy of Brazilian jiu-jitsu set forth by the Gracies. You know, BJ Penn, an absolute anaconda on the ground, tough as hell on the feet, and would literally fight anybody, anywhere, anytime. One of the original BMFs alongside Robbie Lawler. And the road through 170 history goes through BJ Penn. In fact, if we were talking about lightweight, you could probably put BJ Penn on there as well, justifiably. BJ Penn, you are number two for me. Yeah, I like that. I, I don't. I don't think I would put him that high. Um, I, I would definitely argue for him in the lightweight one for sure. Yeah, and lightweight one hundred percent. I don't know about welterweight though. Uh, I love. I love the pick though. That's a, that's a really interesting one. Number two for me is Matt Hughes. Uh, and 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 you guys already talked about him a little bit. Um, but just how much of a legend he was. Second most title defenses in welterweight history. Uh, UFC history. Um, just just an all around. Great, great fighter. Uh, he went out there and he was also fighting in one of the waves of welterweight that had so many contenders and so many yeah. guys fighting and everything to have the success that he had and really change the sport. It, when you talk about Hall of Fame and you talk about guys that are going to be in a Mount Rushmore list, you have to talk about guys that you cannot write the UFC history without. And Matt Hughes is one of those guys. 
Matt Hughes is going to be, has to be a part of the UFC's history whenever you're talking about it because he did change the sport and he was one of the most successful champions ever. Um, number two for me goes to Matt Hughes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That BJ Penn pick is definitely interesting. Um, yeah. For lightweight, I, I would definitely put him on the, uh, he would be real close to number two and number, or I think he'd be close to like number three. Um, but even for pound for pound, I might put him on the on the Mount Rushmore. But um, if we ever did that in the future, number one, uh, no surprise, George St. Pierre. Uh, most title defenses in welterweight history. Um, he puts on a show. He really does. And when you think of mixed martial arts, I think of I think of George St. Pierre. George St. Pierre really mixes it up better than any fighter I've seen. Um, he dominated at welterweight. He had nine title fights there. Then he's like, I'm going to retire for a little bit after maybe a controversial win. And everyone was talking shit about him. He's like, you know, screw it. I'll move up to middleweight, beat the middleweight champion. And I'll leave again. This guy, he's an absolute beast. And he's honestly a, a very nice guy too. When you hear yeah. about, when you hear about the things that he does, you're like, oh, this guy must be uh, egotistical and whatnot. No, he's, he's a fantastic guy. And he's, a, he's, he's the epitome of mixed martial arts. He, he's, he's the go number one. George Washington. Boom. Surprise Canadian, my number one is Oscrin. Canadian George Washington. I love it. Love it. Oscrin's number one. Shock to everybody. No, I'm only joking. It's not. And all right, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. Um, <laughs> it's it's George St. Pierre. And there, there's really no argument for anybody else. Like Hunter says, when I think of mixed martial arts and what those words stand for and what they epitomize inside and outside the octagon. George St. Pierre is the fighter that comes to mind. He's kind of like the Daniel LaRusso. He's kind of like the Jean-Claude Van Damme in blood sport. He's that figure you think of when you think of mixed martial arts and you think of the UFC. You know, there are very few fighters I've ever seen that have the capacity to evolve and improve the way GSP did throughout his career. You know, for years he was slated for being boring and for being dull for playing to his strengths of wrestling. Then he started knocking guys out and people still find a way of criticizing him for that. And then, you know, the Johnny Hendricks fight, that's a debate on itself. You can argue that one way or the other. He came back, he took the gold at 185, showed how great he truly was, and he retired again. I think George St. Pierre is one of those very, very special fighters, a bit like Khabib Nurmagomedov, in that his legacy will not be appreciated until years after when historians of the sport reassess him and his impact on what he brought to the sport. You know, if we ever make um, an episode on the Mount Rushmore of pound for pound goats. George St. Pierre's on there. Well to wait for me. He's number one, and it just really, really is not close. George St. Pierre, you're the greatest welterweight of all time. Number one, one of the most iconic nicknames ever, Motown Phenom, Kevin Lee. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, GSP, obviously, number one. I mean, just the legacy of this guy's left for me, you guys are talking pound for pound list at the moment. I have him as my number one pound for pound goat right now. Um, we will see with Jones. If he fights at heavyweight, if he wins that heavyweight belt, you can't argue against him. But at the moment I have GSP that UFC two seventeen, probably maybe my second favorite event. I one eighty nine is hard to top one eighty nine is hard to top with, with McGregor Mendes, but probably my second favorite event UFC two seventeen. Bisping GSP, 
Uh, a great card all around. Obviously, that was the Cody Garbrandt, TJ Dillashaw fight, and I, that fight's messed up. But that was a great fight going into it. Yoana versus Rose. That main event was amazing. Who knew what GSP was going to look like at middleweight, carrying so much muscle? He beat Michael Bisping in, in dominant fashion, choked him out, unbelievable, and, and won that. That's middleweight. But I'm just I'm just talking about the legacy of GSP here. I, I guess it doesn't really apply, but just the most titled defenses ever in the weight class. Dominant champion for years and years and years. Johnny Hendricks happened, um, but but I mean he won. At the end of the day, he won. Whether you agree with it or not, which I think most I I, I would definitely give that fight to Johnny Hendricks. But that he won, and that goes on his record. Dominant champion, a great guy. Everything you guys just said accumulated on top of that as well. I love GSP. And undoubtedly, the greatest welterweight champion of all time, greatest welterweight fighter of all time. And it will take a long time for someone to to take that mantle away from him. I, I know some people are already talking about Kamar Usman. Kamar Usman's not close. GSP, by far, and it will be that way for a long time. Yeah. yeah. I mean, what can you say to counter that? If anybody can somehow counter that, I'd love to hear the argument because there isn't one. George St. Pierre, Rush St. Pierre, insane nickname alone. I mean, think of how much St. Pierre has brought the sport of mixed martial arts. You know, I'm not impressed by your performance to Matt Hughes, (laughs) the nickname, the, you know, got beat by Matt Sarah. That would have destroyed any fighter's ego. St. Pierre doesn't have an ego. He came back. He he buried all his demons. He came back. He won. He defended. He came. He saw. He conquered. George St. Pierre, number one. And you take a look at role models here. This yeah. kid, when he was younger, he was bullied like no other. Comes back, meets his bully, makes amends with him, and then becomes the UFC champion of, of the world. Like, this doesn't happen. And this spread UFC across the world, too. He was the first Canadian champ, I believe. And you know, like this is this—it's a legacy. It's going to be hard to beat. That's for sure. Sixty thousand fans in Canada as well for Jake Shields. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's yeah, just, it, he yeah. was like the first Conor McGregor, really, of his nation. He was the Canadian Sports Athlete of the Year every single year. He he was and still is an icon for them. And every single time he would fight in Canada, that's why Canadian fans are so passionate about MMA because someone was able to bring so much attention to them athletically and in such a brutal sport as well as G, as GSP did. Uh, he represented that whole nation, uh, and and everybody loves GSP absolutely. Yeah. All right, guys, so it's prediction time. UFC 261. Let's go ahead and do all three title fights. We have to do them all. We ought to do them all justice, even though it is the welterweight uh, little podcast thing here. We have to give the ladies their attention as well. And starting off, Valentina Shevchenko is defending her title against Jessica Andrade. Should be a good one. Who do you guys have winning? This is a fantastic fight. This is going to be very entertaining. But I think uh, Valentina Shevchenko is just too good to be beat by anyone except maybe Nunes or well Nunes has in the past but yeah I think that's the only girl that could beat Valentina Shevchenko I think Jessica Andrade on the feet's going to be dangerous for sure but Valentina Shevchenko as we've seen in the past she can take it anywhere she wants to be and still win I I don't see her losing this title uh I'll be very surprised if she does and this is no no uh diss on Jessica Andrade she's a fantastic fighter and what she did to um Caitlin Chikagian is fan was 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 amazing she she has such a fight high fight iq you know she's no she's cutting a lot for that weight division and then goes out there and does body shots like 
amazing, amazing. But I got Valentin Shevchenko by uh, second round submission. Yeah, Valentina, in my eyes, is going to win this. You know, mixed martial arts is never a sure thing, but Valentina Shevchenko is as close to a sure thing as you can get. You know, fighting her is like fighting Neo from the Matrix. She's go- <laughs> she is going to make you fight her fight, and she's already got this plan four or five moves in advance. Every You know, whenever I see arguments against Valentina, I say, look at the Jessica I fight. You know, yeah. everybody thought she'd get taken down and beaten up. What happened? Moving back towards the cage, she pulled out a roundhouse kick out of nowhere. Jessica, I never saw it coming. And I think something similar is going to happen in this fight as well. You know, Jessica Andrade deserves a lot of credit. She's a very, very tough fighter. She's got monster strength. And, you know, people point to the Rose Nama Yunus fight. And that's a fair argument to make. But she was getting pieced up by Nama Yunus prior to landing that takedown. And you got to remember, she nearly broke Nama Yunus's neck with that takedown. How Rose wasn't paralyzed is still genuinely beyond me. I think Valentina is going to use that job. She's going to she's going to frustrate Andrade. She's going to use that boxing and that kickboxing to keep her at bay. And then when Andrade uh, rushes in, Valentina is going to strike like a trap, and this fight will be over. I have Valentina second round knockout. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, I that was that's one of my favorite things you've ever said. Nothing for sure in MMA, but Valentina is as close as it gets to as sure as in MMA. That's that's amazing, and it's true. I, I, how good does she look? Jessica I, is a fantastic example. Um, whenever I remember, this is a long time ago in the podcast now, but when this fight was first announced, we talked about it, and I I kind of tried to point out and what what I still think is going to happen. I'm going to double down on it now. That Jessica I think that you just pointed out. I think that's going to land again against uh, Jessica Andrade. And it's just because of their body type. She's a shorter fighter. She's coming forward. She comes forward, backing up. That head kick is there 10 times out of 10. I agree with you, Keelan, 100%. I have a second round uh, head kick KO um, for Valentina Shevchenko and still. Um, we have a great co-headliner as well. I, I, I think mm-hmm. it's a co-headliner. I, I don't really know the, the exact order. but a, a Shevchenko might be well. above it. But, I, I believe so. But yeah. arguably the, the closer fight and, and the more anticipated fight um, is Zhang Weili versus Rose Nama Yunez, a fantastic strawweight title fight. Hunter, who do you think wins it? I think everyone has been waiting for this <laughs> fight. I mean, after we saw Weili in the octagon against Yoana, everyone's been on Weili fever, honestly, right here. And I, I'm still on it. I'm still on yeah. it. I can't wait to see her. And I, that's why I still have her winning this fight. Rose Nama Yunez is a fantastic striker. And even she's a good wrestler, too. We've seen on the Ultimate Fighter. We've seen it in the octagon, too. Um, she can take it to the ground too, but I think Wei Li is just too resilient. If you can take Joanna's hardest punches, not just once, not just twice, but for an entire 25-minute fight, then I, I don't see many people beating her. I think Wei Li is going to be in this division for a long time. I'm going to say Wei Li by, by, by decision, unanimous decision. Yeah, this this is going to be this is going to be a fight of the year contender. Okay. I, I would put any amount of money on it. And, you know, I, I kind of want to preface my judgment real quick by saying I don't like what Nama Yunus said at all. 
I'm not a fan of it whatsoever. I get uh, Rose Nami Yunus is Lithuanian and her family, and you know she naturally has her own opinions and she's entitled to them. But you know she's she, she's picking the wrong state to start with to criticize someone. If she was Russian, by all means, but you're picking the wrong communist state to claim better dead than red. You know. I mean, I, I like keeping politics out of fighting. I have enough of it with Colby Covington. I don't know what starting to. Um, yeah, not a fan of it. But the reason that's important is that, you know, Wei Zhang is an incredibly pleasant fighter. She's very friendly. She's very lovable. And she's very marketable. You know, she fought relatively angry against Ioana because Ioana was trying all this bully nonsense. And of course, it didn't work. What is Wei Zhang going to be like angry? I'm very scared for the consequences of that because, you know, she's come out and she's been very pleasant saying whatever she said to Rose. But what? how can Wei Li Zhang take this? You know, Rose has threatened the very core of Wei Li Zhang in her country. So I think this is going to be a striking exhibition from both sides. Rose is a world-class boxer in mixed martial arts terms. She's going to look to use that job, stick and move, get in and out. And I think Wei Li Zhang is going to get in the clinch and she's going to blast her with a hook. That's how I see this going. I mean, I've got nothing but love for Rose Namunas. You know, she's an inspiration to a lot of people with her own issues and everybody commends her for that, rightfully so. But the problem is in a fighting term, Wei Li Zhang hits hard. And as Hunter just outlined there, and I perfectly agree with him, if you can take Yuana Yerjacek's best kickboxing and best boxing for 25 minutes straight, nothing else is going to knock you out apart from Amanda Nunez. So I think Wei Li Zhang is going to weather a first and second round storm. I see a third or four round violent knockout for Wei Li Zhang and still. Yeah, I, I really like that. I have uh, uh, Wei Li Zhang as well. Um, and, and she, it's just because, I mean, Rose Namajunas is a great fighter. Obviously, I think this fight's going to be so good and so close as well. But at the end of the day, I don't think anyone's tougher than Zhang Wei Li. She will keep going forward nonstop. And she has that X factor, especially in a weight class like Strawweight, which is extreme power. She has extreme power that lands on a lot of opponents. She knocked out Jessica Andrade in like 15 seconds in China, which was a crazy fight. Um, she has extreme power, and I think that's because what's ultimately going to play off is Rose will be able to land three or four shots, but one shot from Wei Li will, will rock her and, and put her back in. Ultimately, on the judges' scorecards, I think it will go to a decision. I got uh, Wei Li Zhang, uh, unanimous decision, just like Hunter, just that pure toughness and pure power for me. Yeah. Yeah. So that's uh, some great fights before. Now we're on to our main event, the rematch. Jorge Masvidal versus Mara Usman. Hunter, who do you think wins it? It's going to blow your mind here, all right? Oh, my gosh. Something you don't oh, know. Oh, my gosh. Jorge Masvidal, second round Derek Lewis uppercut knockout. No way. Oh, come oh, on. No Mara Usman's going to shoot in for the takedown. No Jorge Masvidal is going to be loading up. Boom, right on the chin. He's out of sleep. Gone. He wakes up in the hospital next day. That's how it's going to go. It's going to go exactly like that. I think. I don't think Usman can put him away all five rounds. If Usman's going to win, it's going to be going to be by unanimous decision by him holding against the Kench against the fence or on the ground. I don't think he has the skills to put Jorge away. Forty nine fights later, still hasn't been put away. Kamara Usman is not the person to do it. And I am on the Street Jesus 
blessing train right here. He's got to baptize Kamara Usman. You better be ready, Kamara Usman. Saturday, the fight's coming to you. Hunter, have you lost your earthly mind? <laughs> What's like, going on here? Come Saturday night, you're going to be like, Hunter, my God, you are a genius. Oh, my God. You may as well have predicted another Ben Askren for all that's going to happen. <laughs> hey, I said Come Jake Paul was one of that. Let's just say I'm, I'm keeping yeah, it Yeah, but everybody knew that was going to happen. Come on. <laughs> what's what's worse, this one or, or me picking Megan Anderson over uh, Amanda? Oh, I saw. I remember that oh. one. <laughs> <laughs> Good grief. Um, now you got to pick one, yeah. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna respectfully disagree <laughs> with his perception. Um, yeah, I mean Jorge Masvidal, as I said earlier, has been on his career resurgence. Nothing but to his credit. I just think this fight's going to the ground again, and Jorge Masvidal is not getting back up. I just don't see it. Kamaru Usman is a division one level wrestler. Now, Masvidal probably has been training his wrestling all this time, and I have no question we're going to see better wrestling from Masvidal. I just still don't think it's good enough to match Kamara Usman's. Also, since that fight, or maybe after the fight, somewhere in between, that job is going to be huge. That you know, I think Masvidal is going to shoot in, looking to get this to the cage and to throw those boxing combos, and that job's going to start hurting Masvidal. He's going to start running out of gas. Now, I think the most likely ending to this fight is probably another unanimous decision. But if Kamara Usman wants to prove a point, he may well go out there and try to finish it. Because let's not forget, you cannot sleep in Kamara Usman's hands either. We know Jorge Masvidal hits hard, but have we just forgotten how hard Kamara Usman hits too? You know, the thing about Masvidal as well is he it's almost like he's the Mick Foley of the UFC and he likes getting hit. He leaves his hands so low. Like even in the Diaz fight, a lot of those shots from Diaz I could see coming. And Masvidal just kept getting peppered with them towards the end of the third round. You can't afford to do that to a Kamara Usman who can box now. That's going to be a massive factor in this fight. That being said, the one factor in which I have to agree with Hunter is that Masvidal is tough, and I think he might be too tough to get finished. That being said, it's on still for me. Kamara Usman, unanimous decision. Yeah, um... (laughs) Unfortunately, I do not think this is going to be a great fight. Uh, I, I think yeah. that Kamar Usman is coming off of a great win uh, over Gilbert Burns and everything. So so he has that behind him. He just showed that he can finish a fight. Now he can afford to put on another lackluster performance. So A Tyron Woodley fight. Kind yeah. of like that. Kind of how Tyron Woodley would operate, where he would have one fight, like Darren Till, where he would finish somebody who was coming at him, and then kind of just like Damian Maia, stand back and, and do that. I think that's where... Kamar Usman's head's going to be at. Stay away from the danger. A lot similar to the first fight. In the first fight, he was only able to take down uh, 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 Masvidal a couple times, but he was just able to hold him up against the cage and stomp on his feet for for, for five rounds. Um, I think he'll be able to take him down maybe a couple more times um, and just hold him, but I don't really see him inflicting too much damage. I really don't see that much damage being inflicted on either side. And I think Jorge Masvidal will kind of get a little bit gassed out towards the end of the round. Um, and, and, and just Kamaru just kind of a dominant uh, uh, a wrestling decision win for him is, is my prediction for, for this main event. Kind of a lackluster way to top off the welterweight uh, episodes. Phenomenal episode, but that's just kind of – that's how I see that fight going. 
Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. Now, let me give you this school of thought here, though. Okay, here we go. You know, Kamaru oh, is going to be comes. an NCAA wrestler, and he's a fantastic wrestler at that, but Jorge Masvidal graduated from the school of Kimbo Slice Backyard Brawls. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Kamaru Usman can ever say that. Let's yeah, just say that, right? True. <laughs> the university of these hands. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I, I, I love that. And, you know, I, I love where Masvidal came from. He came from early YouTube pixel fighting, and now he's fighting for the title. It, it is a very good story. And I think the dynamic Jack's just described is very interesting and very realistic. One thing that we have to note is, although he likes doing it anyway, Jorge Masvidal, the onus is going to be on him to push the pace and push it early. Kamaru's going to be happy to sit back in the back foot and let Masvidal come to him because now he has the threat of that job too. Whether he uses it as well as he did against Burns or not is a different question, but he knows he has the threat of that and he can just sit behind that all night if he wants to. Mm-hmm. Now, Masvidal could push the pace and Masvidal could end up upsetting him early. That's a very real possibility. I just think Kamaru's got this too well played out. And I think Jack's point about him putting on a lazy performance almost is very valid. You know, as long as he gets past Masvidal, it's going to be very hard for Masvidal to be a threat to Usman again when you consider how many contenders there are. And it's perfectly possible this is just a dull fight. Of course, none of us hope that it will be. Yeah. For the memes, I almost kind of hope it is that kind of Blades <laughs> Lewis uppercut. Um, I just think that's the least likely possibility, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. We'll have that's to get fair. another Herb Gain like sprinting across the octagon, trying to get there as we'll fast as possible. Yeah. 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 Five absolutely. seconds later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, amazing podcast, guys. Welterweight special was was some amazing. Um, everyone, thank you so much for listening. Please make sure to like and subscribe on YouTube. Um, please follow us on Instagram at MMA.Island. Uh, listen to us everywhere, including iTunes and Spotify. And check out our website, MMAIsland.net. Again, thank you, everyone, so much for listening. Great welterweight special, guys. Thank you, guys. Good, good fan questions, by the way, too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, fantastic fan questions and a fantastic episode. These legacy episodes are really important in recognizing the divisions that have made this company what it is. So incredible episode, everyone. Thank you once again for the questions.